and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Katie. And hey there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Season two, uh, season two, episode two. What, what? Episode two. Although I think it's episode 36. I don't know. I I just continued the episode numbers, but I'm definitely going to designate which season it is now. It's a new week, a new start. Um, We're getting closer to it not being so freaking cold outside, although it's freezing in the south right now, which is is great for this movie because it takes place during the winter. And the movie we're doing this week is called The Black Coat's Daughter by Osgood Oz Perkins. Incidentally, Katie, you probably already knew this, but the movie was originally titled February because that was nothing yeah. <laughs> I read that too. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that it was called February. But then I also got really confused because it takes place right before a winter break. So, yeah, I thought it was really weird for a winter break. Yes, it was very uh, strange that it was in February. Because I was thinking it was like Christmas break. And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, so do we have any news before we get into the movie, Britt? Any any housekeeping? Um, No housekeeping that I can think of. There's a lot of world news going on. Um, I didn't know if that was something you even really wanted to remotely touch on. I was like, because we're going for historical times. But it's also mm-hmm. very depressing as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the riot at the Capitol or whatever we want to call it was, it was at least a riot. We'll just put it that way. At the very least, a crazy riot really sucked. And then COVID numbers have hit an all time high again. That's awful. Um, So wear your masks. And um, if you can't get the vaccine, please get it. It's been a week since I got my vaccine. I feel fine. So, like y'all it's and I got Moderna so and I but I just met somebody today who got Pfizer and she was fine so like you know everyone I have heard more people had reactions to Pfizer than Moderna um but I would say if you're healthy or at high risk and your doctor thinks it's cool then you should definitely get a vaccine because the more people get a vaccine the less COVID there is running rampant yeah no I'm actually um Vaccines won't be probably available to people like me until the summer um, because I'm not, I'm an essential worker, um, but I'm not, I don't work in any kind of health field. Um, But that being said, I'm terrified of needles and I still plan to get vaccinated. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. At least the first one doesn't. I can't speak to the second one, but it does not hurt. I mean, it hurts like a shot, but it's not like there are two kinds of shots in this world. There's like flu shot like vaccines and then there's like steroid shots steroid shots are thick and you can feel it going into your body yeah i hate those kinds Mm -hmm. like i'm cool with them but i always feel those a lot um this one is like a flu shot it's either the needle is so small i don't feel i didn't feel it or the 
vaccine itself is such a thin consistency. You really don't feel it at all. You feel yeah. a pinprick because it's a pinprick, but it really doesn't hurt. And I just don't want people to be afraid of it anymore because I really, 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 really want COVID to be over. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it's never going to be totally over because you can't completely eradicate a virus usually. Um, but you can make it a lot less scary by having a vaccine. Uh, I guess you can er- eradicate viruses, but like I don't know if this one's going to be able to be eradicated. But I, I think at least we can like get back to some normalcy. Like I want to be able to go out and not wear a mask all the time, and I yeah. want to be able to go to a party. I miss dancing. Yeah, like at parties, like in a crowd of people. Not that I, I don't really like being like with strangers, but I miss going to like weddings and birthday parties and things without having to count how many people are in the room and how far apart you are. Like, so if we all wear our masks and play nice and get a freaking vaccine, like maybe next year we can all have a good time again because I miss it. I miss having fun with people. I don't know. So anyways, I don't know. So yeah, the the world, the news has been awkward and yeah. really shitty. And I don't know, is there something else that I'm not mentioning that was shitty? Um... No, I think I think you touched on a lot of what is shitty going on right now. Ugh. I feel like since um, we're recording these episodes now, week in advance, I feel like it's our job to kind of touch a little bit on um, certain things that may be happening in the world. And um, yeah, um, like I said, we're living for a vi- very historical time. I have these, uh, my 14-year-old nephew lives with me. I have these discussions with him, usually at the dinner table most nights. Um so, yeah, um, but I know we're going to get ready to get started on the movie, but I just thought, um, yes. just touching base, um, I, you know, you guys stay safe, um, just know we're all in this together, um, we're going to make it through. We're all I, in this together. I, I'm going to be positive and just say that we're going to see a lot of positive change, or at least that's what I hope for in the next coming months. Um, so we made it this far, guys. We're just going to keep pushing through it. So It's 2021. It has yes. to get better. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't have to. Knock, we're knocking know. on wood. So Personally, I mean, personal life-wise, I feel great. But <laughs> but everything else in the world is shit. So it is hard to like – like I've been going through some really good things in my life and I – I hate that it's among COVID because, like, I do feel weird when I'm happy. Isn't that, like, sad? Like, because I'm just, like, I'm so happy right now. But then I'm also, like, the world sucks. But I'm yeah. also really legitimately happy. So um, that's good. Also, uh, Britt made us a TikTok. I did. Yeah, I made a TikTok. Yeah. Uh, I uploaded our first video to it. Uh, believe it or not, the original sound we had on it was Without You by our Without Me by Eminem. And, um... It got taken down. Uh, so uh, I had to reload the video with the theme from The Office, um, which is hilarious. It's fine. It's, it doesn't match the video as well, but we'll sit there and we'll laugh watching it. So I guess uh, mission accomplished. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, please go follow us. We are Grindhouse Girl Podcast on TikTok. And um, yeah, I plan to upload more videos. If Katie films some things, we'll upload it. So yeah, we're going to have a good time. Oh, it's going to yeah. be very goofy. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. In good news, we have a TikTok, and maybe we'll um, put more stuff on it. I hope we do, because it's fun. But so yeah. we should stop talking about TikTok and start talking about the movie, because yes. we've been a little over time. We were so good last week. Yeah, we're going to be good this <sighs> week, too. Watch us. Okay. Okay. 
So diving in, so as Katie mentioned, um, we this movie is the directorial debut of what we would consider horror royalty, Oz Perkins, um, <laughs> Osgood Perkins, who is, of course, son of Anthony Perkins, a.k.a. Norman yes. Bates, and the original Psycho. Um, he's, yeah. He's also the child of Barry uh, Burdenson, which I already knew this, Katie. You may have, too, but my mom... Um, knows a lot about 9-11, so I know uh, Barry mm-hmm. unfortunately lost her life um, in the 9-11 attack. She was on one of the planes. Um, yes. But she was also exactly. an actress um, and a model, mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous woman. Um, his brother Elvis actually scored this movie, too. He did, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, he kind of grew up around movies. Yeah. And he always wanted to be a director, and his brother Elvis is also is a composer, which is really cool. But he kind of... I, I know I knew him from the uh, wonderfully amazing movie Legally Blonde where he mm-hmm. plays dorky. I think David. Mm-hmm. Is his name David? I want to say that's He's right. Like, yeah, I think because they call him dorky David. Yeah. So that's uh, Oz Perkins. That's the director of this movie. But he said in an interview that he kind of didn't really want to be an actor he did acting so he could kind of become a director slash writer. Like, he always wanted to direct. Um, and his first, like, movie debut was actually Psycho 2, where he, I think, played a younger Norman Bates. Yeah. And um, so he really wanted to be a director, but he did acting. He was like, I didn't do it very well, and I didn't do it very long, but I just, I kind of did it because he wanted to get his foot in the door. And I'm sure it was not easy for him but whenever you come from like an acting family like you know that's probably easier to get cast in a movie than say like hey trust me with millions of dollars to produce a movie by myself so people had to know like he was responsible and stuff before they would give him the chance to direct and so yeah this was his first chance and i have seen one of his other films his the only other one he's done that he wrote and direct called i am the pretty thing that lives in the house I actually like that one. Oh, I think I like it a little bit better than this one. I think yeah. it's a little bit tighter. Yeah. Um, have you seen that one? I haven't. I need to. I know it's on Netflix okay. currently. It is also a slow burn. It is. Um, but the woman who plays the main character, I have to look her up. Uh, Ruth Wilson, who I think is in, there's like a TV show she's in now. And I can't remember what it's called, but she plays Alice Morgan on Luther, the television series starring Idris Elba, if you've ever seen it. Oh, my God. Idris Elba is such a hot man. Anyways, um, but Luther is, like, a really good – it's, like, a police drama. Um, and she plays a complete and total psychopath and sociopath in that movie. But she plays this really sweet lady um, – in I Am the Pretty Thing that lives in the house. She, it's a very long name. And Lucy Boynton actually plays, who plays Rose in this movie, is also in that movie, which yeah. I just realized who she was in that movie after I realized it was the same person. Um, who She's brunette in this movie, but she's traditionally blonde, which is funny because, like, everybody's pretty much a traditional blonde uh, in the cast, although Lucy Boynton ha- has dark hair in this movie. Um, but anyways, his movies tend to have like uh female characters yeah as the main characters or like like he also directed but he didn't write gretel and hansel which was last year yeah produced i haven't seen it yet i heard mixed things about it but it looked visually very good and it looked like he had a bigger budget for it like the visuals looked really cool and it looked fairly creepy and i kind of like that he fleshes out female characters and yeah and he i like him because he 
admits that this is not a movie that's quote unquote not for everybody. He's like, I get that people probably aren't going to like like this movie, but and a lot of people didn't want to produce this movie because they were saying like. It was kind of like the the Wolf of Snow Hollow. They're like, yeah. yeah, I just don't know if this will actually make a good movie or not. But it's very interesting. And Emma Roberts said the script was very, like, very much like a novel. Yeah. The way it was written. So I think he's a really good writer. Um, also, just, I thought this was cool. Um, some of his favorite horror movies he listed in the various interviews I watched was Eraserhead. So David Lynch. The Shining, of course. This movie has all kinds of Shining vibes to it. Um, Don't Look Now, which is one of our favorites, um, Carrie, and Let the Right One In. That's awesome. Let I the was right like, one in. oh, because he mentioned all of those as, like, really good influences. So, anyway, so I think he's super cool, and I, I, I want to see more from him. I will say I definitely preferred I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House to this one, but this is a really, really good movie, and I think this and this is his first movie, too. I think he learned some stuff in the second go-round. Yeah. It just, it's just tighter, and it's still, like, I still think people should see this movie. I highly recommend it because it's very interesting, and it's, again, quoting Oz Perkins, it's a horror movie that doesn't behave like a horror movie. Yeah. I would say more film like a drama than a horror movie, but is very atmospheric. Yeah, I would agree with the atmospheric for sure. He, um, of course, like you already touched on, he's financing this film was very difficult. Um, so I, I've read that multiple times and read about this movie, but he really wanted to tell a sad story about loss. And I think he does do that very well. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have very strong opinions about this film, um, which Ooh. I know we'll get in, we'll get into later. Um, but I thought we would go through the actresses who I, okay. these actresses, I gotta say, uh, spoiler alert, some mad talent in this movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite parts are the performances of this. Do we, do you want me to do a short synopsis before oh, yeah. we get into the characters? Yeah. Okay. So, the Black Coat's Daughter. On the cusp of winter break in February, two girls are left to their own devices at their Catholic boarding school while waiting for their parents to pick them up. Alone at the school with little staff, Kat's loneliness and Rose's personal problems begin to twist the knife of an already desperate situation. But are the girls really as alone as they seem? Ah, brava, brava. Who knows? I don't know. So, uh, yeah, with that, I think we should go into characters. Yes. Britt, would you like to take the lead on that? I feel bad. I hope I did not mispronounce this lovely young woman's name. Uh, Kieran Shipka? Is that right? Um, I think it's Kiernan. 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 Okay. So, um. Kiernan Shipka. Kiernan Shipka. It plays Catherine. Um, Kiernan is best known now for, uh, being Sabrina Spellman in the Chilling mm-hmm. Adventures of Sabrina, which is on Netflix. Great show. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it, but, uh, supposedly a lot of people find this movie amusing because they draw parallels, uh, <laughs> between it and the show. Yes, they do. Um. They do. For me, I recognize her. She voices Janora in The Legend of Korra, which Katie has to put up with me talking about Avatar The Last Airbender all the time. <laughs> and uh, Korra is obviously the sequel, so she voices a, a pretty big part in uh, Korra. Uh, and she also was Marnie in the dub of When Marnie Was There, which is a beautiful Studio oh, Ghibli yeah. film. Uh, so, yeah, so... And and she was Sally... Sally, the daughter Sally Draper. of John Hamm's character yes. in Mad Men. Sally Draper. Which I 
started watching Mad Men and got really depressed with it, and so I never finished it. But yeah, um, that was kind of her start. Yeah, but you will know her face if you see her. Oh yeah, yeah, she has like one of those very like just beautiful, just fresh faces, I guess you can say. Um, Lucy Boynton as Rose. Um, so obviously Katie mentioned she's in the I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house. Uh, but she also played Mary Austin Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, where she met her now yes. partner Rami Malik. I so. know. I'm so jealous of her. She dates <laughs> Rami Malik. I love Rami Malik. Yes. Um, he's um he's uh Elliot. Oh my god, I almost forgot the main character of Mr. Robot's name and that's like one of my favorite shows in the entire world. Um but yeah, uh, I was very pleased that he's in a happy relationship, but a little jealous, I gotta say. But good for them. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, she also is now kind of gaining popularity, The Politician, which is also a Brian Murphy Netflix show. She plays a lead character on there. Which I haven't watched yet. I watched the first season, and I, I did like it. I wasn't, like, obsessed with it, but it, it's entertaining. Um, of course, we got Emma Roberts. Oh, God, Emma Roberts. Um, so, <laughs> I I still think of Emma Roberts as Unfabulous, even though she was a literal child when she did that show. I've never watched Unfabulous <laughs> because I was too old to watch it, and I just was like, I, so I didn't see it. So, the first thing I saw her in was American Horror yeah. Story. Which she excels at, but she, does. she, it's pretty campy. If you haven't seen American Horror Story, it's pretty campy. There are some really good dramatic moments, especially from Jessica Lange. And, um, oh shit, what is her name? Sarah Paulson. Mm. Oh my god. Oh my god, Sarah Paulson, oh. like, holds that show on her back. I do love, so does Jessica Lange when she's on it. Yeah. And, oh, and Kathy Bates. Oh my god. Oh yeah. And Kathy Bates. Oh yeah. Um, and it, there's some really good dramatic moments, especially in season two. Three, Coven, which is my favorite season, and that's the first season I I think Emma Roberts was in. I want to say you're and, right. Yeah, but she usually plays like the campy bitchy character, so she usually has a lot of campy moments. So I tend to think of her as a very campy actress. She was also on Scream Queens, which is also very campy. Um, but this movie, she's completely different. Yeah, and it was really refreshing to see her have a dramatic turn that wasn't campy and i i mean she does camp really well but it's nice to see that she has more acting depth because i think like you were like oh god an emma roberts movie and i was oh. like I, I don't know what to expect honestly because i've never seen her really be in a drama before i know a lot of people are gonna hate me for saying this i'm not a big emma roberts fan that doesn't mean i wish ill on her it just means that I think because she plays really bitchy characters, I've just associated <laughs> that with her, which I'm sorry. I mean, it must have something for her. She must be a great actress, so. <laughs> well, and she, I just think they've kind of used her because she is so good at being a bitch yeah. on screen that they're kind of like, we'll just keep doing this. And I mean, like, I can't really blame her because uh, work for the money, girl. I mean, yeah. she's, she's getting extremely... Well paid for that. Okay, um, so yeah, and I figured there, there's there's a few different characters, but I figured the last two main ones I would touch upon would be Lauren Holly as Linda. Uh, Lauren Holly's mm -hmm. played Jenny Shepard in NCIS. She was Mary Swanson in Dumb and Dumber. <gasps> That's what she was on. Yeah. C CSI. Yes. I was like, her face is so familiar. Where is she from? Yes. 
Uh, she was also Gigi in What Women Want, if you ever watched that movie. Um, and then last but not least, James Remar as Bill, who I know him as Richard, Samantha's, uh, one of Samantha's boyfriends in Sex and the City. Yes, um, but also Dexter's dad. Harry Morgan, Dexter, yes. Harry Morgan. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge Dexter fan, although I haven't finished it because I was told I would be disappointed by the final season. So I got through the Julia Stiles season and just kind of stopped i might finish it eventually yes i don't know apparently it's it's making a comeback yes incidentally sex in the city is too i heard that what the <laughs> fuck it's gonna be i don't want to see them anymore 10 episode I'm limited sorry. series so i don't want to see them anymore okay i love sex in the city but i'm kind of i haven't even seen the movies the first movie is good I'm sure it is. I yeah. just, like, I know vaguely what happens because it's been, like, very memed. Yeah. But I liked how the series ended. Yeah. And I, it was like that with Will and Grace. I thought it was a beautiful ending. So when they revamped it, I just didn't watch any of the new episodes because I was just like, I like where my version of Will and Grace ended. Yeah. I like that. I thought it was great. And I just don't want to move on because... I've seen that and it's great. Yeah. And I will, yeah, I, I don't know. I will say this very, very quickly. So they had originally wrote a third Sex in the City film that was supposed to be the final movie. And it would have, it, uh, not really a spoiler alert because it's not happening, but Big would have died early on in the film. And so it would have been Carrie coping with the loss of Big after so much of her life was put around Big. And they, the actors and actresses involved in it loved it and it just got scrapped. Um, well, but isn't Samantha not coming yeah, back? Yeah, Kim, the... Kim Cattrall has said that, you know, that she's done playing Samantha and that she's not coming back. So, yeah, that's the thing is that um, the other three actresses will be back. But it's also not a full-blown series. It's a limited series, which I keep wanting to touch base that it's limited. There's only ten episodes. <sighs> so, I think I can do ten episodes. If they were trying to bring back an entire series, that may be an issue, but... Limited, I just I can miss do. Samantha. I know. So many people watched like, it for Samantha. Okay, Katie, do you want to call it and say we are officially about to get into spoiler alerts as we head down into the plot? I think I think we should because I don't think... Because uh, the other thing about this movie is it has three different timelines that intersect. And I think it's hard to talk about it without intersecting them. Like, it's... Yeah. Watch it first and then you can think more about it. Um, but I think, I don't know if we really need to go plot-wise with this one so much as, like, maybe, because it's not a whole lot of plot. Because yeah. this movie is very slow-moving. It is a it is a slow-moving film. It's very atmospheric. Personally, it's a little too slow for me, but I still would recommend it. Um, it's a little slow for me. But it it is not a whole lot of plot um, because you see different things from different people's point of view. So, like, a third of the movie is just somebody else's point of view for everything that already happened in the movie. So, there's not as much plot. It's not plot-heavy. It's it is a very simplistic plot. It just has some cool twists to it. Um, but I would recommend it, for sure. I think it's one you should see if you like atmospheric horror. Um, it's definitely not a slasher. And it's definitely a little more serious, I would say. Maybe. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what about you? Would you recommend it? I would 
recommend it. Um, I will get into like more detail about some of the thoughts I have about it. Yes, I mean this was one of those movies that I felt like it was very um, kind of like her when Hereditary came out. There's people who loved it. They were like, "It's unique. It's something we've never seen before." And then there's people who were like, "Oh my god, it's slow. I fucking hate it." Um, and so I'm the rarity that falls somewhere in between um, those two camps. So, but I would I would definitely recommend it just because I think it is a good thought piece. I think, like you said, it's very atmospheric. I think there's a lot of great homages to other horror films in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, yeah, I mean, I I will say this: I wasn't bored out of my mind, and I did, and I did, I was invested in the movie when I was first watching. Yes, it. yeah, I watched it with our friend Peter, and. I kept having to pause it because I had kept having to go do things and he was he'd like pause it for me I was like oh sorry okay um but we kept asking like is this what's happening or is this what's happening yeah what's happening and so like maybe like so I was invested in the plot I just like I felt like it took a really it like it we were joking about how it was almost like a pinter play except there wasn't divorce in it because, like, it was, I was just, because if, you, if you've done theater or if you had to study theater, there's, like, this joke about, like, Pinter pauses because Pinter, the, uh, is it Her- Harold Pinter, I think. I think it's Harold Pinter. I did a couple scene works with Pinter in college. And, like, he, like, writes these big, long pauses between everything. And that's kind of how this movie is. But it does kind of make you just curious about what's going to happen next. Yeah. Because you're like, what the... F- why is it so quiet? So, like... And that's what a thing he really emphasized was, like, quiet is one of the scariest things you can have. And I agree with that. Like, I personally listen to, like, music or ASMR or... TV show I've seen a thousand times when I go to sleep. I, yeah. I usually have something going on in the background because I don't like silence. Yeah. Um, I can I can deal with silence if I'm not alone in my house. But if I'm alone in my house, there is no way I'm going to be sleeping in silence. Silence will actually wake me up. So to me, silence is kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, unless you're, I mean, it depends who, like, I don't know. You can have comfortable silences with people you're close with. And I think that's a sign of a good relationship is, like, if you can comfortably be silent around that person. But when I'm alone, I do not like silence. Because yeah. every little noise, especially, like, when I move to my new house, whenever you move somewhere else, like, every noise is just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. You know, when you're by yourself. So, luckily, you know, I can handle silence when I'm with other people. But when I'm by myself, I'm like, I ah, fuck no. Because it is kind of creepy. Yeah. Like, the life is noisy. At least my life is. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> I'm just kind of a noisy person. Um, but yeah, so it's very quiet and atmospheric yes. movie. So, um, it's an A24 yeah. so, film. So, I mean, that tells, it is an A24 you, that tells film. you a lot. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And um, so, real quick, before we officially dive into the story, we get into spoilers. Uh, the Black Coat's Daughter on Netflix, streaming now. Mm-hmm. So, Yep. Yes. As well as I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Yes. So if you want to have a double feature Oz Perkins Woo. movie fest, Lucy Boynton Oz Perkins movie fest, go watch those. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So let's start. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? What do you uh, want to, what yeah. Do you yeah. 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 How about you start? Okay. So the cool thing about this movie is it has three timelines um, following the stories of our three different main actresses. So the first one, we follow her day-to-day 
is Rose. I think Rose is my favorite character. Um, not that Kat and Joan aren't cool characters, but um, definitely uh, I like Rose. She, I would describe her as vivacious, but mature. So, like, she obviously is, like, one of the more popular students at the school because you see her with friends. She has a boyfriend who she cares about. And I love how they do this, like, really, like, it's obvious that Oz Perkins knows that audiences aren't idiots because he doesn't spoon feed every bit of information to us. But what's going on is in Rose's life is that she's, like, Obviously, like, she, you see her taking, like, her school picture, and it's just this beautiful, like, she flips her hair back and looks behind her and just has this beautiful smile on her face. And, like, she knows how to play the perfect, like, student, daughter, whatever. But she's not fake. She's, but she's not, like, I wouldn't call her, like, one of the popular girls, but she's just, like, your cool friend. Yeah. Right? Like, she smokes after, out the window in her Catholic school uniform. She's, like, your cool friend who everyone likes. And wants to be like, but she's not like a bitch. And I think I really like her because she she does tease Kat once or twice. But she's very, um, it's almost like older sibling kind of teasing. It's not really like vicious. And um, what we find out about Rose is that she's talking with her friend before school break. She tells her parents to come pick her up two days late. Because she's going to go on a date with her boyfriend. Because she's pretty sure... She suspects that she might be pregnant. And um, they don't tell you that. She just is having a conversation with her friend. And her friend's like, well, it's half his problem too. And, you know, he did this to you. And she's like, no, no, no. He didn't do this to me. Like, he did things that I was okay with. And that's what happens. You know. And so she knows that her parents are going to pick her up late. Because she wants to go on a date with her boyfriend and talk to him about this stuff. And... On the flip side, we see Kat talking to the priest, Father Brian, and Kat seems really lonely, Yeah, and she's really upset that Father Brian isn't going to be there for her piano recital, which is the day before everyone goes home for break, and he's like, well, I mean, it's going to be okay. I don't know, and she's she just acts kind of weird, and she seems really lonely, and she sings this really creepy song on the piano, <laughs> and... um. Uh, he asks Rose to help take care of Kat while um, they're waiting for their parents to pick him up. Because for some reason, Kat's parents haven't picked her up. And that seems amiss because it seems like she's very close with her parents. Like, she has a little heart around, like, when mom and dad come and pick me up. So she obviously has an okay home life. And I like that because some stuff happens with Kat. But she's not like the typical Carrie bullied, like child like she has an okay home life there might be some abuse there there's kind of like a sprinkling of maybe there's some abuse at the school yeah because i got a weird vibe that's what i couldn't figure out um if father brian and her had a weird relationship i thought that too because yeah she calls him out like basically he said he was doing something and she kind of like calls him out on it that he may be lying and she smirks about it. And so she's this very yeah. kind of meek personality. But that's the first kind of hint that, oh, something's a jar. Because she has, like, very quiet, very reserved. But it's like, yeah, you just called out the head schoolmaster, too. On a lie. Yeah. yeah. And she's, yeah. And she, he's like, 
are you okay? You're kind of smirking. She's like, oh, I just want you to see my performance. She also really wants him to see her performance. Also, Kat is getting premonitions of a car accident yeah. involving her parents. That's which... the opening scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so Rose is kind of asked to take care of Kat. And Rose doesn't really want to have to take care of anybody. But she's like, okay, just, like, don't touch my shit. And don't get into my room. But of course, <laughs> Kat doesn't listen. Yeah. And she, like, goes into her room and is all creepy. Is that when she, like, levitates? No, 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 no. Yeah, so that's later. yeah, that's later. So yeah, and that's the thing. Um, By the way, so yeah, so it's Catherine's story is very, very interesting right off the bat because yeah, you we see we from just from an opening scene in the movie, we kind of learn a lot about her character. She's kind of isolated from the other girls. She's not necessarily bullied, mm-hmm. but she's definitely isolated. She's alone. She's waiting for her mom and dad, and she does have this terrifying premonition that her mom and dad are dead. And the next thing you know, they're late picking her up. They tried to call the phone. They're like, well, can you get hold of them via, like, via cell phone? And she's like, I don't have a cell phone. They told me I'd get one for my birthday. But it also kind of puts this movie in like an unspecified timeline. Like You don't really mm-hmm. know what year is taking place either, which I kind of yeah. like. Um, but yeah, but it's kind of like, she has a very meek and mild personality, but there's little hints, like, here and there, like, Mm -hmm. Rose telling her not to go in her room, and she still goes in the room, and it's like, okay, there's more to this girl than Mm -hmm. what's on the surface, yeah. Yes, but I mean, I do like that she's not your stereotypical bullied girl that takes revenge on people, she's very... Like she, she is lonely, and that was that's a big theme of this movie is loneliness. Yeah, but it's not because people are necessarily doing it to her. It seems more like she maybe has some social anxiety, or and we'll get into more of this later. I was, I, I was like maybe like in my head, I was like, is she having a schizophrenic episode? And it's because a lot of times that happens when you're you reach late teenage to early adulthood that's when you first like have signs of paranoid schizophrenia is when you're a teenager or when you're an adult and if you don't know how to handle that it can be really frightening yeah um but this movie you can take it in a very literal sense or you can take it in a very metaphoric sense um like symbolic kind of stuff because um everything told from rose's point of view is pretty trustworthy because it's pretty factual and narratively uh normal um and then we meet joan as well and joan it seems like she has escaped a mental institution at some point um she's played by emma roberts of course and she seems very lonely as well and she doesn't really know what she's going to do and she is happened upon by bill and linda so james remar's character and Linda, the, um, let's see, Lauren Holly, the CSI lady. Um, so, um, they, they show up and he's like, I like this angle about him. Um, which I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna let you talk a little bit after I say this, but I thought it was very interesting. He talks about how she reminds him of his daughter and that he sees God in everyone. I think it's very normal. For people who are grieving to be a little more overtly religious because, I mean, I'm, I'm religious, but I'm not, I'm very rationally religious. Like, I know that for me, religion works and I like it. However, I don't think it's a magic cure-all for everything and it's more, it's supplemental (laughs) to the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't think you have to be religious either. You can just be spiritual. Like, I know Brit's a little more spiritual than religious and that's 
totally whatever works for you that's how i've always felt anyways sorry that's what i should have just said whatever works for you i don't really care but being someone who is religious when people die i think a lot of people get a little more actively religious because it comforts you to know that you might see that person after you die or you probably will you know you'll be reunited with those people again or like for me like i swear that got real southern real quick I swear that, like, I've had experiences after I've lost loved ones where things have just happened that just just seem like somebody's out there, like, saying, hey, everything's okay. And again, could just be a coincidence. I'm totally okay with that, too. But if it comforts me, I think it's fine. But he seems like one of those people that just, like, religion is helping him cope with his grief. And obviously, like... Because at first I thought he was just, like, a creepy, overly religious guy, and I was really nervous because those people scare me when they're just like, hi, nice to meet you, Jesus. Like, you're a little, like, okay, cool. Like, I like Jesus, too, but let's, let's slow down their hot stuff. Um, but it, it makes more sense that he's a grieving father, and that's why he talks about God a lot more, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Also, he dresses, like, uh, Peter was like, is he a priest? Because yeah, of, the, like, the white shirt, the white second? shirt with, like, the black shirt over it. I thought the same thing yes. for a minute. Yeah. I think that I was like, nah, dude. I think that was intentional. Like, I do think Oh, it, was it probably was. Yeah. It probably was, because there's a lot of visual cues to one of the twists in this movie. Yeah. That, um, if you go back and look at it, you're like, oh, okay. But, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Anyways, so I'm going to shut up for a little while. No. Um, you're... So I guess we leave off where Joan is. Because Joan and Kat, I mean, Joan and Rose's stories kind of intertwine a little bit. Like, yeah. it's not very linear. Yeah. And so that's where um, we, we meet Bill and his wife. And they kind of take care of Joan. And they put her up in a hotel because they're, they're traveling. They don't specify. They specify... Um, they know where Joan's traveling, and they're traveling the same direction she is. So they put her up in a little hotel, um, all this good stuff. So we go back to Rose's storyline. She just told her boyfriend there's a possibility of her being pregnant. It doesn't go too well. It's not like he's a bad guy. It's just more like he's like, oh, doesn't really know how to handle it. And she's like, I'll take care of I it. I thought he was nice, though. Yeah, he wasn't a bad guy. It was just more he do- he was, I don't think he knew how to handle the situation. He offered to drive her yeah. to the potential abortion exactly. and she wouldn't let him yeah but also like i don't know i've never i've never dealt with that situation before i'm sure it's a lot like scarier than i think it is especially if it's unplanned like it's one thing if you're like in a relationship or you're married and oh my god it's the best news ever but when you're like in high school yeah like that's scary because you don't really know what to do yeah with that situation so yeah it's a little bit of a black it's not quite as bad as black christmas like he no. wasn't like smashing a piano exactly with a mic stand exactly um i may get ready to mispronounce this word Pre- please correct me if i do um i'm a reader more than an actual hearing these things but rose goes into the school and she's like hmm, where the hell's Catherine?" like walking around the school and there's all these great like dark shots that you really don't know what's coming around every corner and she ends up i think she hears muffled noises and she ends up going to the boiler room and she sees Catherine. is it prostating prostating herself like Bowing over and over and over and over. Oh. Prostration. 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 Prostrating herself. That's what yeah. it is. 
And so Catherine is prostrating yes. herself over and over and over again. And Rose is like, okay, this is fucking weird. Um, so she gets her into bed. And this is the point where you're like, Rose isn't just a bitch. Like, she's a legitimately caring yeah. person. But even though she's a teenage girl and she's just a little bit full of attitude, she still tries to take care of Catherine. So we kind of go, and I don't know, I, I, it may get kind of confusing because I actually did write my notes in the nonlinear fashion um, we see mm-hmm. the movie in. So I don't know if that would be more confusing. But we go back to Joan um, in the hotel room and she takes a shower and we see there is a shot wound, like um, scar tissue. So we know she's been mm-hmm. shot in the shoulder and there's a flashback of a police shooting her. Um, so then we, I think it's... Um, Bill comes and sees her, and there's, like, she's literally in just a towel, but he's not creepy at all. He isn't suggestive. Yeah. yeah it's really, really like nice. Like, in any other horror movie, yeah. he would be, like, a predatorial guy, but he just, like, has a normal conversation with him. Her, like, he remind she reminds him of his daughter, and yeah. so he just has a normal conversation with her. He's like, hey, I want to let you sleep. Hey. And she's like, where's your wife? And he's like, oh, she's sleeping, but I'm going to go down to the restaurant and get some food if you want to join me. Yeah. Exactly. It's really, really nice. And it's during that conversation they actually find out that they're going to Brantford. Joan finds out they're going to Brantford, which is, of course, we know where the school is in the first story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's like, well, that's great. Um, so then we're going back to Catherine and Rose's story. And there is, I think this is the first moment. I mean, obviously, kneeling in front of the boiler, there's something wrong. But this is the first moment because the way she delivers this line just kind of sent chills up my spine. Like, she's talking, Rose is talking to her, and she basically is like, you had your chance. And she just, like, walks away. And she delivers it in such this, like, deadpan fashion that kind of just, Mm -hmm. like, jars you. And I think that was, like, the first moment that I was like, okay, like, we know there's probably some kind of possession happening in this movie. It definitely felt like the first kind of possession moment that we saw in the movie, yeah. in my opinion. So, yeah. Also, uh, Lu- Lucy Boynton's character, Rose, tells Kat a story about how the sisters... Okay, I got a little confused, because this is supposed to be a Catholic school, mm-hmm. right? There's a priest. They kind of had some Catholic things correct and some very wrong. And, for instance, the two women staying there, she keeps calling them the sisters, but they're Miss So and So and Mrs. So and So. Or hold on, yeah, it's Miss Mrs. Drake and Miss Prescott. Which, if you were nuns, you would be called Sister Pres- Sister in your a first name. Like you would choose a saint name to be called. And I was like, okay, so maybe they're not the nuns she's talking about. But and they're not really dressed very nunnily. But. Uh, most nuns don't really dress in habits anymore. Like, none of the nuns that taught me ever dressed in a habit. They just dressed in normal clothes. Um, and then, like, they keep saying the prayer before meal, but it's completely the opposite of what, like, every Catholic prays before meals. Yeah. And I was just like, are we – maybe it's a Canada thing because this was filmed in Canada. That's true. Maybe, maybe Canadian Catholics are a little different because there are a lot of Catholics in Canada because it's a heavily French um, – hereditarily very heavily French, especially – uh, Quebec and stuff like that. So there's a huge Catholic population in Canada. So maybe it's just a different vibe of Catholicism. But American ca- Catholicism, like there's a very specific prayer before meals that almost everybody I know and grew up with prays the same prayer before meals. Yeah. And so it was kind of, and it's like it's like the same prayer. But I was kind of like, <sighs> maybe it's maybe it's a Canada thing. I don't know. Maybe Oz Perkins is 
Catholic, or maybe he just has a friend who was just like, yeah, that's what you pray. But anyway, so I could not figure out if the two women that were staying there with them were supposed to be nuns or just teachers. Yeah. Because she tells the story about the sisters. They don't have any hair and they're Satan worshipers. And all the synopses were saying that where they were like in a school where the nuns are rumored to be satan worshipers i was kind of like but are they nuns yeah they're misses and miss and you would not call a nun missus you would call them sister their first name yeah anyways sorry that just bugged me you know no. as a 12 year catholic school veteran no i mean that <laughs> makes sense I, I love the education um and that's where we go after that we actually go back to Joan's story again and you actually find out at this point because she joins uh, Bill in the diner and uh, at this point he's talking about his daughter and that you know that they're going to Branford because their child had passed away and they go there every year around the anniversary of her death which is incidentally tomorrow um, and he's mm-hmm. like do you want to see a picture of her and she's like yeah and he shows the picture and it's Rose's school portrait yeah yeah which you know mm-hmm. at this point you're like okay joan's story is obviously taking place in the future and rose has mm-hmm. been dead for a while we don't know how at this point but this oh, is nine years yeah nine years and this is how yeah. this is like the moment that you're like okay something's wrong because joan excuses herself after seeing the portrait she excuses herself to the bathroom and laughs yeah and she gets out an id with another woman's face on it and her name on it yeah so she's presumably killed somebody to get her identity or just stolen it maybe she just stole it yeah so we don't really know and uh she sees bill talking with a police officer and she assumes the worst so she grabs a knife from the kitchen on her way back to the table you don't actually see her grab the knife but you see her look at the knife yeah and i think you do see her have it in her hand um but then it turns out the police officer was just telling Bill that there's bad weather ahead and they should really get on the road. Yeah. And so that's what they do. They get on the road. And there's like this, um, she goes back in and she meets, uh, she meets up again with Rose's mom in the car who does not like Joan. And she's like, you know, basically Bill tells every girl that around that age that they remind us of your daughter. You don't remind me anything of my daughter. Um, and then we go back again into the past and... I, I don't know if I skipped anything, but we're we're back with Catherine and the sisters, as I put quotation marks mm-hmm. and Rose, and um, they're eating dinner, and Catherine just looks sicker and sicker every time we see her. Mm-hmm. So it's like progressively throughout the movie, she just, her skin loses luster, she has dark uh, circles in yeah. her eyes. And so... And was it just me, or did you get the Vavitch vibe oh, yeah. in the scene? Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. And so, um, like Katie was saying, they're always reciting the same prayer before dinner. And so they go to recite the prayer and Catherine doesn't say anything at all. And so the sisters say, like, something to her about it. And she starts to say something and then she just vomits everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Like, yep. It's gross. Yep. It's like... Mm. Your body is rejecting something. Your body's rejecting oh, no. grace. Or your soul is. Yes. And the next scene, uh, which is another great deadpan scene. Um, so the sisters are literally trying to take care of her. And she just says, get your hands off me, cunt. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, and she says it in like a double voice. Yeah, she so does. Like, Two voices. sounds possessy. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck no. And the sisters get a phone call. And then they tell Rose, we need you to shovel the pavement outside because the headmaster's coming. 
And then, what did they say? Because I th- we thought this was so weird. I was when I was watching it, it was just the weirdest way to say it, it was like to the earth or something. Yeah, like they that. said like, to the earth, to the earth, like uh, shovel it to okay. the earth. Like she emphasized it. Because at this point, it's kind of like you know, like are the sisters bad? Because that's like I had a, a couple reviews I was listening to. They're like it kind of seems like maybe there's a little bit of abuse at the school, if not sexual, maybe corporal punishment maybe psychological abuse i don't i mean i hope it's not sexual abuse but yeah the girls you know, don't think... seem happy at all because the one the, the one scene in the auditorium well, earlier they're all like yes yeah but it's also an all-girls catholic school and maybe. i mean you can have fun there it's a boarding school too it is isolating you from like a whole other half of the world and i think that can be another form of isolation i mean like i think there is something about socializing that the dynamic changes when you're in high school because hormones suck and yeah. people suck in high school and girls can be really cruel to each other and men tend to not be as cruel as they are just like mean if they're going to be mean. Yeah. But they're much more in your face about it. Anyways, what I'm saying is just like it's isolating. It's just another form of isolation. Yeah. So, I mean, like it could just be that it's depressing or maybe – there's some abuse. Yeah. I'm not really sure. They, they don't come right out and say it, but it seems like there's something off about Father Brian and Kat's relationship. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like he's inappropriate physically with her, at least not in the office. And it doesn't seem like he's physically inappropriate with anyone else. And there's no... I kept thinking there was going to be some secret, like, affair going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, do you want to take it away on what happens after Rose shovels? So Rose shovels and we see the headmaster show up with a police officer and they, they try to walk into the sister's house that the girls are staying in and he knocks on the door and the door's locked. So they go around the back and they find the bodies of at least one of the sisters, um, on the floor. And so you flash back to Kat's perspective of everything that just happened. And basically, Kat is very lonely, and she's been getting phone calls from someone on the other end, an entity of some sort, who has a very dark, creepy voice. I think it's very much the Vavitch, like Black Phillip is just calling her on the phone. And he basically, or she, I don't know, it sounds like a man, but maybe it's a she. I don't know. I'm not judging their gender. Um, (laughs) Uh... The entity basically tells her that your parents are dead. They're not coming for you. You need to kill all the cunts. Yeah. So. Well, first like, it also oh. says, hi, baby girl, which I thought was the weirdest. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, when he said it, I said, I swear to God, if someone said hi, baby girl to me, I would kick their ass. Yeah. I never want anyone to ever say hi, baby girl. Ugh, it's so gross. Anyways, I'm sorry. But I'm also a grown woman. Yeah. So maybe it's not. Well, she literally calls it dad too creepy. because it's like it's a deep male voice and it's almost like guttural and like kind of staticky. And she's like dad. <laughs> so, which I mean, yeah. my dad, I, my dad doesn't regularly call me baby girl, but he has in the past. So I also would have the confusion of like dad and then it's like you know your parents are dead they aren't coming kill all the cunts so yeah um so she hears the voice on the phone and and uh 
It tells her to kill all the cunts? It tells her to kill all the cunts. <laughs> and so she, you know that she's going to at least try to kill all the cunts. Yeah. And so, but you do see this, like, horned black figure. Yeah. It, it's, like, in shadow, so you really can't see many features behind her. But you kind of see everything else that's happened in the movie, but from her perspective. And she keeps getting phone calls and stuff. And that, I mean, that part's just kind of like reiterating. And you kind of figure out that she and Joan are the same person. Yeah. Just nine years apart. And there's a lot of like visual hints. Like they both take out quarters to call on the payphone in like the same form. The, the way they both hold a knife is the same. And their hair too is very similar. Um, especially after Joan takes a shower. And like, interesting like, enough, I thought that uh, Lucy and Emma look more alike, in my opinion. They do look really similar. Yeah. Um, but I think it helped that she didn't have blonde hair in this. I think the fact that's probably why they made her brunette, so it wouldn't be so confusing to have, like, three blondes. And I think also the reason they may have not done it, too, is maybe it would have been too on the nose. From the beginning, mm-hmm. if they have cats, actresses yeah. that look very similar to one another. Yes. So. But there are some movies where it's just, like, both actors or actresses just, like, look like the same person. Yeah. So, she starts getting creepier and creepier. And I think there is a part where she's, like, levitating on Rose's bed. Oh. I see. I remember the scene where she was remember. contorting. Like, after Rose turns yeah. off the lights and leaves her. Which, it's the smartest thing I saw anyone do in this movie. After she leaves Catherine, after Catherine had her creepy moment nailing in front of a boiler, uh, Catherine starts contorting, and Rose, is, Rose puts a bunch of shit in front of her door, which I'm like, yeah, that's the right idea. So. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And then, so we see Cat kill the sisters. Pretty brutally. Yeah. You see that she's disarmed them and they're on the floor. And then she just starts stabbing. Yeah. And she does not stop stabbing. But I will say they're pretty restrained in the horror. Like they kind of save it and they cut away. They don't completely cut away, but they cut away enough that it's not like I wasn't like grossed out or horrified. But it was very like it was very like in your face, like, and we're just gonna show all the stabs. Yeah, it's quick and brutal. Yeah, and um, then we see Lucy, not Lucy, I can't even call her Lucy, Rose. Um, I like this. This is another way that they, um, just visual storytelling. Um, she is about to take a shower in the, in the, in the dorms, and she is in, like, her uh, robe, and she goes to go to the bathroom beforehand and she looks down at a toilet paper and it's like, oh, thank God. So you know that she, if you're a girl, yeah. at least, you know that she's gotten her period and she's not actually pregnant. You're like, oh, let's look at things are looking up for Rose. Not really. Um, so she's kind of happy and then she hears something and she's like, cat, what the fuck? And she goes outside to investigate and she sees one of the bodies at the foot of the, of the stairs and then, um, yeah, Kat just stabs her to death. Yeah, it's too. a very it's ex- really sad. It's a very exorcist three moment because it's out of nowhere that like because yeah. there's no indicator. You don't see anyone in the hallway. Yeah, there's no noise. It's so fucking creepy. I think this this is where the quiet helped mm-hmm. because I was like, oh shit, where the fuck is she? Um, and it's just really sad. And I will say, I was a little bit annoyed 
because on IMDb, somebody put a body count, and one of the body was counts ba- was Rose's baby. unborn child. And I was just, like, and she wasn't pregnant! And that's how you know a man wrote that body count. Because he didn't know what happens when people look at the toilet and go, oh, thank God. When they think they're like, pregnant. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. People need to be educated about periods, apparently. Yeah. And just menstrual cycles in general. I know it's a gross word. But y'all, like, you need to know... If somebody's late, it means they might be pregnant because their period's late. There was, if somebody... There was actually what? a conversation at our dinner table a couple nights ago where my husband said, can we oh, please no. not talk about menstrual cycles at the dinner table? <laughs> no, you have to. I told him, I it's was like, it's not life, nasty. Baby. It's not nasty when you go for it every month for like 42 years yeah. of your life. Like, It's really not. Like, it's just like... I mean, I'm not saying it's not gross but it's also natural like, just the fact of life yeah anyways yes. back to this movie but periods yeah. suck but it's realistic anyway so rose gets yeah stabbed. it bothered me yeah rose it bothered me that someone counted that yeah no it, as a that's stupid maybe they were saying because she got her period but that's not how it works like you don't just like spontaneously abort a baby if you get a period it means you are pregnant was, yeah nothing was uh implanted into the egg that your body was holding on to exactly so anyways so anyway yeah so uh she stabs rose to death um and then Ah. she decapitates her yeah yes she decapitates all of them and then they they you you go back to the police and they find her sitting in front of the furnace with and okay also i liked this because in the windows of the ladies, the two sisters' house, there were all these, like, like sets of three things. So, like, which is a very Catholic thing because the Trinity and all that stuff. And I was like, ooh, oh, God, there's going to be something with a set of three because there's going to be, like, three bodies or something. And so, like, she has the three heads in front of the furnace. So, um, and she's, like, she has a knife in her hand. And the guy's like, drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife. And it's really creepy. And she starts raising her arms up, and he shoots her in the sh- yeah. shoulder. Yeah. Oh, she's saying hell, Satan. She says that like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was creepy. It was. As fuck. It was. So then we're like, okay, yeah, loose. Uh, lo- oh my God, Joan and uh, why did I just blank on Catherine's name? Uh, Joan and Catherine Cat. Cat are the yeah. same people. Um. So yeah. So we know at this point, it's like okay, and I don't remember what I think. Okay. So spoiler. Um. Does the exorcism scene come first, or does the car getting pulled over come first? No, the car getting pulled over comes first. Okay. So, I think Cat um, Cat Jones says she's going to be sick or something, or she's oh she starts throwing up. No, so they're they're the, they're arguing in the front seat. The parents are Rose's parents mm-hmm. are, and then that's when Cat goes, "I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick," and she doesn't throw up in the car, but like they do, she does right. have them pull them over. And she, they pull over right near where the school is, mm-hmm. which the mom's like, please don't pull over here. I don't want to pull over here. And they do. And then she slits their throats. Yeah. And chops their heads off, puts their blood all over her face, then puts some blush on yeah. to look nice for the demon friend. And you're like, oh, shit. And then it fast forward, like, then you see her going up to the school with the bodies in a rolly suitcase. And um, while she's journeying there, you flash backwards to see Kat um, in a hospital and Father Brian comes to um, perform an exorcism on her. And the thing, this is very interesting because it, 
Cat is such a lonely person that the demon has become like her only friend. Okay, can we also say real quick the most underwhelming exorcism ever? Like, it's probably more realistic yeah. than most exorcisms. But just very, saying. very underwhelming. Like, we are not talking to exorcists here. She does levitate, but I, I like because, okay, because this was pointed out in a couple reviews that the reason you can take it either literally or symbolically is that you're seeing it through Joan slash Kat's perspective. So, and the two people in the room during the exorcism, they're both people that would believe in that. So, like, it's completely plausible that this is really happening and there's a real demon and she's actually getting exercise of the demon. That's why she's levitating. Or that's what she feels is happening, even if it's not factually happening. So, like, either way, it's still creepy. Yeah. You know. I, but I would say that's probably more accurate to what an exorcism is. Yeah. I, I've never been to one. But, uh, thank God. I did like... I don't ever want to be there. Even though I thought the scene was underwhelming, I did love the ending of it. Because, yeah, it's very yeah, much turned sad. on its head. Yeah, because you... So, as a woman, I feel like you see so many possession films that it's women getting possessed. Women getting possessed. And usually, mm-hmm. um, these movies are shown... It may be about the woman getting possessed, but really it's about the journey of the male character. That um, mm-hmm. that is like leading up to the exorcism. It's about the priest or the friend who's going through these steps to get this woman exercised. So, so you have these movies where it's like either there's like, oh my god, they're finally, she's finally going to be free because the devil's out of her. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of, I don't know, it provoked something like a, oh, that was different when she doesn't want it to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She goes, don't leave. Yeah. It's so sad. It's You're sad. Like, oh. And then he just kind of disappears. Um, but then you you see Joan go to the furnace with the heads, and it's cold. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, he's not here. And then she goes out into the winter and just screams and cries. and Because she's just so lonely. Yeah. And, I mean, she really is alone in the world. She, Her parents are dead. Yeah. She's been in a mental institution, and then, like, two people that were kind to her, she murdered for her demon friend, and then her demon friend didn't even show up. Yeah. What a dick. Satan is the worst BFF. Like, that's what someone said. Or, I don't, he might be like, yeah, he's, he's, what a dick. Whoever this demon thing was in the movie. And that's why I said, Uh, I said that the ending is all for nothing, because the demon left her alone, and now because of her actions, she is totally alone. Yeah, it's really sad. Like, and well, that's it's very, very. Sad. That's what's also sad about it is that, like, the you know, when she's a teenager, she's acting from the possession. But as an adult, these actions. But are, she's also lonely. Yeah, but as an adult, these actions are entirely her own. There's no yes. possession. And she's, I would say no. I would say even as a teenager, she's a willing participant. Yeah. A, a participant. I think she embraces it. So it empowers her, and she embraces it. So. I like that because she's not just this poor helpless victim. Like she may be misguided and may be doing terrible things, but she is making a conscious decision to actively participate in these things. It's like um, the Ken and Barbie killers yeah. when the wife Carla was like, "Oh yeah, no, like I didn't participate." And then they found the videos years later, and like literally, she was helping rape these women and kill them. And you're like, the. F- Fuck you, bitch. Like, there, women can be just as evil as men. Yeah. And I do like that no one's perfect. 
in this movie. Like, Rose isn't a perfect person. Cat certainly isn't. Um, people have their faults, but they're realistic. And I like that they actually, like, they're not afraid to be like, yeah, like, she's not a good person. Well, what's interesting, too, it's not like Thomason and the witch, where or the witch, where Thomason didn't really have a choice. And because mm-hmm. of... What she decides, you know, we, we want to hope for the best for Thomason that she does get to live deliciously. But here with Catherine, it's, it was her choice and she gets nothing mm-hmm. from it. Nothing. There was no... Except pa- schizophrenia. Yeah. No pack with the devil brought her any kind of anything. There's no companionship. There's no future. And I really liked that idea. I thought the ending was like, this sounds like a smart ass thing to say, but I thought the ending was the best part of the movie. In my opinion. Yeah. No, I think it made everything make sense. And I didn't I didn't actually get to watch this movie twice. I, I watched a lot of reviews of it afterwards. I just didn't have time this week. Um, and it is a slow burn. But I do really like the ending. And I like that you can take it literally or not literally. That there is a demon or there isn't a demon. Um, either way, she's lonely. Whether it's a friend inside her head or a friend inside her heart. Um... <laughs> She doesn't have them anymore, and she's sad. And she just killed two innocent people that could have been really cool to her. Yeah. Like, I mean, that must suck when you kill innocent people and nothing comes of it. Like, that sucks, balls. Also, why did she have to kill the three women, like, if he was hanging out with her anyways? I don't know. Because he told her to, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well, that's um, why I did have a little note here. Because I was like, the demon, not only did he leave her easily, but it's like he never came back. And I was like, was the demon's objective to get the school shut down? maybe yeah also what i was like of course like this is me in my head i was like of course he didn't show up you only gave him two heads and the the ritual is obviously three duh but i don't know i don't oh, know oh good maybe. good interesting well he showed up I before mean, so that's my thing was it like was that the catastrophic event that caused that cold school to shut down and was there no like young people being educated about religion i mean i don't know that may have not even been or was there abuse going on and it stopped the abuse because the school shut down and maybe he's a good demon? I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. There's many things you can take from this movie. Um, was there anything critical that you didn't like? You know what? Because I got things. This is gonna, you're gonna think this is weird. Um, I thought the sound actually kind of pulled me out. Like, it was a cool score, but I thought it was a little bit too much at times. I liked the script. I thought the acting was great. Like, I mean, props to Emma Roberts. I think that ending scene of her in the, in the snow, just like wailing is incredible. Um, I love the story. I thought there was a lot of really cool touches to the story. I love to get my hands on the screenplay and just kind of read the finer notes on it. I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't think the direction was the strongest. Um, yeah, I, okay. Here's the thing about, cause I've, I saw, I am the pretty thing that lives in mm-hmm. the house before this. It also is a very slow burn. This movie was a little too slow, and I think it's because he's still trying to find his footing because it's his first directorial debut. I felt like there were too many pauses, and we needed things to happen just a little sooner in the beginning. Like, I liked it when we were, like, leading up to, like, the murders and stuff. I thought that was really cool. But I didn't feel, like, trepidation about the movie. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel super creeped out, which that's one of the reasons why I 
hadn't watched it until now was because I heard it was super, super creepy. And, oh, my God, it's so scary. So, like, I don't want to watch it by myself. So, like, I waited until I was hanging out with somebody and be like, let's watch this movie. Because, like, I was afraid I was going to have nightmares. And, in fact, Emma Roberts said the day she read the script, she had nightmares. She woke up in, like, a, a hot sweat and was like, I guess if that movie scares me enough to, like, wake up in the middle of the night scared to death, then it will be a good horror movie. But I didn't feel like it was that scary. And I think some of it was the direction. The other thing that really bugged me was the lighting. Yeah. Because I I appreciate the natural lighting. I really do. But there were many, many, many times watching this movie that I kept checking the brightness on my device because I couldn't see stuff. And I was like, is it my device? Did it go on power save mode? What's going on? And no, it's just the movie is a little too dark in places and you just like the I am the pretty thing that lives in the house is a lot lighter there's a lot more white to it and I think maybe it's just like filming in the winter there's not a lot of natural light anyways and so you're and it was independent and they only had one shot to do a lot of things like they had one shot to do all of the gore scenes and so like I I get that they probably didn't have budget for good lighting so they took advantage of natural lighting. But to me, there were just too many times where I was like, hey, what is going on? Because I can't see it. Um, so I, I think, again, I think this is a directorial debut. There's going to be some mishaps. And I think that's, you know, he gets really good performances out of his actors. And it is an interesting story. I want to see him craft his directing more yeah. and get tighter at it. I want to see Gretel and Hansel because he didn't write it. He just directed it. I'm curious how different that is. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting coming from, like, watching Jim Cummings um, from The Wolf of Snow Hollow because it was so... Um, it had so much per- of his personality yeah. in the production. Um, and I think it was a little tighter, but I think, honestly, I think he's made more movies independently, like smaller movies. Like he had a lot of like very short films, um, under his belt. Whereas Oz Perkins, like this was literally his first movie that he directed. Like he didn't do any like short films or anything. He did a lot of acting before that. So, I mean, like I'm going to give him a big chunk of, I want to see more of this because I am the pretty thing that lives in the house is definitely tighter. It is definitely a slow burn. But because it's taking place in, like, a house with, like, a nurse and, like, an elderly um, patient, it kind of makes sense that it's kind of creepy. It's kind of like, and I haven't seen this yet, but I've a couple people have told me about go- a ghost story. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's kind of, like, atmospheric and slow and it makes sense because it's about a ghost just waiting around for something. So, like, I don't know. I, th- those things kind of bothered me. You know, I was just like, it's just kind of slow and I can't see anything. Which I think are production things, yeah. really. And he did do this pretty much independently. So I would like to see him with a bigger budget if things were just a little tighter. Yeah. And brighter that I can actually see what's going on. Because I know good things are happening. I just can't see them all. Oh, it's like the Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> I know! <laughs> what would you say What would you gave, uh, say your final verdict on this one is? Uh, I would say my rating, I gave it an 8 out of 10 oh, okay. because I think I wasn't going to, but I honestly think it's so like well made and the performances are so good. I think it's high quality filmmaking. However, 
I mean, it might be more like a seven. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's more of a seven. I actually almost gave it a six and a half, but I think the actresses propelled it to a seven for me. So. I think, I think I'm going to change it to a seven. I just like, I really like Oz Perkins. Yeah. And I think, I, I like his ideas and I like the fact that he writes parts for women that are fleshed out. And I think visually his movies are getting better. Yeah. Um, I just think this one is a step in the right direction. But I also this one, like, people have talked this movie up a lot to me. A lot of review channels have been like, oh, my God, it was so good. It was, like, my favorite movie of 2015. Whereas, like, to me, I'm like, it's good, but it's not one that I want to keep going back to. Exactly. Watching. I don't think there's a lot of a, so. rewatch, uh, a, a watch a rewatchability factor. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. I may watch it again, Which, but I wouldn't watch it over and over again. I think the only people who would want to rewatch it are people that enjoy analyzing film. Yeah. And filmmaking. I don't think I don't think a regular audience member is gonna wanna rewatch this one. But I think it's a good thing to see if you like horror, especially things like the shining, atmospheric horror and like just like like you know psychological horror because even though there is violence this is much more of a psychological horror yeah. than it is like a slasher film um and yeah because i was kind of i was a little disappointed in myself for the choice because i was like this is a little is this boring no I don't know it's, it's okay boring or just i'm glad i saw it i'm i'm glad i'm i'm glad i watched it i would recommend it I just, it's just, I I like slow burns. Everyone knows how much I love Hereditary. I just feel like this was a particular. Oh, but Hereditary ramps up. Yeah, this was a very particularly slow burn. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's it's a really good movie. And like I said, it ramps up enough. I wish this movie yeah. ramped up just a yeah, little bit exactly. more. Exactly. I love the ending. I um, love the ending, but yeah. Yeah. I think the ending is interesting. Um, did you have any, like, like ratings? I did. I did. Um, so um, one of my ratings is. P for phone calls and premonitions and possessions. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yes. Um, I had rated S for sister Satanists and spooky furnace rooms. That's <laughs> cute. That's cute. Yes. But that's, as I, I had another one, but it's really stupid. I like the stupid ones. I like hearing them. Oh, what's well, not? It's, I just thought it rated T for a Trinity of treason. Oh, just sounds cool. that does sound really cool. I don't know. Maybe too too on the nose with people getting impeached and riots on oh, the, ca- at the yeah. Capitol. We we may not want to talk about treason. So maybe just not a little bit. Okay, so that means, and we're gonna go fairly quickly because we're yeah. running over we're, time, and I'm gonna have to actually cut yes tons out yes this week, unfortunately, because we're still trying to get close to that hour mark, y'all. Yes, uh, there's a bunch of stupid shit I said, yeah, so okay. we'll probably cut a lot of that stuff out. Um, but we're going to try to finish this up really quickly. Of course. Um, so it's Britt's turn to pick again. Yes. And we, so. we actually already had a discussion. So we're actually doing a relatively, there's a movie I heard about a couple years ago. Everyone was like, oh, this movie's awesome. You need to watch it. And I didn't watch it. And it came up. So it's not as serious. It's not as analytical as a lot of the movies we typically take on, but I still think it falls into our genre of movies we love to do. So we're going to be watching Overlord uh, on Hulu. So, Yay! Woo! I've heard many, many, many good things about Overlord. Um, particularly, it's a Nazi zombie movie, Nazi I think. Nazi zombies. So, I hope that's not spoiling anything. I don't know <laughs> anything else about it. Me either. Um, so, <laughs> I know it takes place during World War II, obviously. So. Yeah. Which... It's like Jojo Rabbit, but with zombies. I don't know. 
Um, it looks, honestly, if you guys have ever played the Wolfenstein video games, the newer ones. So, but Wolfenstein, the new, is the old blood and the new order. I was trying to remember what the names of them are. It kind of looks like that vibe where, like, because if you don't know, Wolfenstein, those, the, it's the old blood, the new order, and then there's a new one, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's about the two I don't know if it's come out yet because of COVID. I think it slowed stuff down. But it's about his two twin daughters. Um, But basically, it's a guy who fights Nazis in an alternate universe where they actually did take over, like, the United States and stuff. Kind of like the man in the High Castle, but not quite. But there's all these, like, crazy, like, steampunk robot zombie things. And it's it's really fun. It looks – it's like a good-looking video game, but it also, like – there's a, a story to it, and it's got a lot of heart to it, in my opinion. So this movie, like, kind of looked like, from what I saw over the previews, it looks a little bit, because it's also very red, and Wolfenstein's very red, it kind of reminds me of the Wolfenstein games, um, the new ones, So, which I really like. So um, I, I'm kind of excited. It's always fun to see Nazis get killed. Fuck Hitler. And so we're going to watch a movie about killing Nazis next yes. week. Yay! Fuck, okay, I so think. closing remarks for this episode, other than fuck Hitler. Um, <laughs> fuck Hitler. Fuck Hitler. Um, so, yeah. Um, so very excited that we are on season two. Um, very excited to watch Overlord next week. Um, touch base with you guys, you know, just the usual. I hope you're taking this time uh, to drink your water. This is a reminder for you right now. I hope you're doing something for yourself today. If you are practicing yoga, which is what I'll be taking on tomorrow, because um, my friend challenged Ooh. me to do a yoga challenge. Um, if you're doing yoga, if you're taking walks, or if you're just cuddling up under a blanket and watching a favorite TV show, I hope you. <laughs> I hope you take something. I hope you do something for yourself this week, and I hope you're taking care of yourself the best way you know how mentally. Um, we're all going for very tough times. Um, we appreciate you. You guys have helped us a lot um, by listening and giving us feedback and um, sharing things and sharing movies for us to watch. Uh, I want to take this time to, again, just let you know how much we appreciate you. And we're so happy you're here with us. And we're so happy you're here on this planet with us right now. Yes. I couldn't agree more. But, yeah, um, wear your mask. Get a vaccine if it's available to you. Um, social distance as much as possible. But, you know keep your social stuff up as much as you can virtually because we all miss human interaction and it's real hard. I know. Um, but things can get better and they should get better. And all we can do is hope they get better and just be nice to everybody and be kind to one another, please, please, please be kind to one another and everybody's wonderful. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sounding a little too, a little too, uh, happy go lucky, but I'm just, I'm just, proud of everybody and um thanks for listening and thanks for following and thanks for not obliterating us on tiktok for being dorks because (laughs) i thought the 12 year olds were gonna get real vicious but i haven't seen any negative comments yet so thanks guys appreciate it um and just be good and we love you guys and thank you for listening Yes, and and we'll see you next week. Yes, as always, same spoopy time, uh, same spoopy channel. And stay spoopy, (laughs) y'all. Good night. Good night, Katie. (laughs)
Night, Brittany. Night. Oh, I just thought of that. What if people listen to us in the morning and yeah. they're like, good night. <laughs> good morning to you or who are listening. Day. Good day. Have a good, good day, Good morning. <laughs> good night. Sleep tight if you're listening to us as you go to sleep. Yes. Or, I don't know, probably not. We're really loud. Oh, la, la, la. La, la, la. La, 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 la. Okay, that's creepy. Okay. Okay, we're being creepy. Good night, night. y'all. Bye. Good night at all the puppies. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, Please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.